Well, Pastor Kevin is uh, getting some R&R with his family this week, and so uh, he asked me to fill in for him. We are going through the book of Joshua. If you remember, um, we've talked about some battles. We've talked about some, some interesting challenges. We've talked about dealing with sin in the camp. We've talked about trusting in the Lord. And here we get to this just small portion that he has asked me to teach. It's just a, just a brief section. So what I'm going to do is we'll just start right here and we'll read a verse each. It's, it's chapters 13 through 17. So we should be done really quick. If you had a roast, uh, sorry, it's going to be burnt. <laughs> just kidding. Um, if you will turn with me to Joshua chapter 13, though, we will set the stage. We're not going to read the entire passage, but we will set the stage. And look at that. I got it right down here. You with me? Joshua chapter 13, verse 1 through, we'll go through 7 there. It says, Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years. You know you're old when? God says, you're old. (laughs) Joshua's advanced in years. The Lord says to him, "You're, you're advanced in years. And there remains very much land to possess. As we get into this passage, we... It's kind of like reading a, a, a genealogy. I, I know what you did because we all, we all do the same thing. If you, if you even looked at the passage before you came or you were reading ahead, you got there and you got about verse 8 and then you woke up a couple hours later. And Because it's just, you know, you go, what is this? It seems, it seems uninteresting. It seems boring. There's all these geographical descriptions and, and, and there's these references, weird names that nobody can pronounce and, and we stumble over. And so you, you get quarter of the way into it and then you forget it but some interesting things to remember if if you if you picture in your mind where israel is the children of israel when they came they invaded kind of from the middle they came right at it where jericho is and they kind of came through and then and then they're going to start spreading north and south and so god says you know what there's still a lot of land to possess they had a controlling interest shall we say in the land but there's still a lot to possess and so he says There remains very much land to possess. This is the land that yet remains. All the regions of the Philistines, it's off down to the south and to the west, and all the Geshurites from Shior, which is east of Egypt, northward uh, to the boundary of Ekron, and it is counted as Canaanite. There are five rulers of the Philistines, those of Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron, and those of the Avim in the south in the land of the Canaanites. And Merah, that belongs to the Sidonians up in the north, an affect to the boundary of the Amorites, the land of the Gebelites, and Lebanon towards the sunrise, from Gaul, Gad, below Mount Hermon, to Lebo Hamath, all the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon to Misrath Maim, even all the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel, only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance as I have commanded you. Now, therefore, divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and half-tribe of Manasseh. So that sets the state. Joshua is coming to the end of his ministry. God says, you're old. I got one last task for you to do. Divide up the land. This is actually a very important story. It is a story that is 600 plus years in the making. And it begins all the way 
hundreds of miles, if not thousands of miles, to the, to the east of where they are right now. When man is sitting in his tent and God comes to him and says, I want you to get up and I want you to move to the land that I'm going to show you. God called Abram, renamed him Abraham, and said, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And those who bless you will be blessed, and those who curse you will be cursed. So, hundreds of years before, this story began forming. And then we have the story of Abraham, and we have the story of Isaac, and we have the story of Jacob, and we have the story of his descendants, and we have Joseph, and we have 400 years as slaves in Egypt. All of these stories that perhaps you heard when you were going to Sunday school, and perhaps you've heard references in, in, in Sunday service or something like that, or you've read them, and sometimes they're disjointed and disconnected, and you don't realize this story has been building and building and building for years. And here, finally, God can say, the promise that I made to Abraham is coming true. It's not fulfilled, but it's coming true. There is much land to be possessed. So you have this story of God's people, and it started with one family, and the family grew, and it got so big that, that even the, 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 the king of Egypt was afraid of what to do, so he enslaves them, and he, 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 he makes them live miserable lives. And then, in, in a miraculous way, God frees his people, and, and Moses leads them out. And, and then they go, and they, and they get close to the promised land, and as they're getting there, um, they send some spies out to check out the land, and they get frightened because they think, oh, man, we can't do this. And so then... God says, well, if you don't trust me, for 40 years you're going to wander in the wilderness. And they do that for 40 years. Now, finally, it's come back around. And God says, it's time. It's time to allot the land to everybody. If you'll turn with me to the book of Numbers, uh, Numbers 33. I think starting at verse 50. Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you pass over the Jordan into the land of Canaan. Notice he says, when, not if. He says, the day is going to come. When you do, you're going to pass over the river Jordan and you're going to come into the land of Canaan. And then you shall drive out all of the inhabitants from the land before you. And you shall destroy all their figured stones and destroy all their metal images and demolish the high places. And you shall take possession of the land and settle it. For I have given the land to you to possess it. You shall inherit the land by lot according to your clans. To a large tribe you shall give a large inheritance. To a small tribe you shall give a small inheritance. Wherever the lot falls for anyone, that will be his. According to the tribe of your fathers, you shall inherit. Um, Sounds very similar to what's going on in Joshua. Then uh, it says, but, and I want you to pay attention here. But if you do not drive out from the inhabitants of the land before you, then it will come about that those whom you let remain of them will become as pricks in your eyes, as thorns in your side, and they shall trouble you in the land in which you live. 
It shall come about that as I plan to do to them, so I will do to you. Interesting. Interesting. God told them years before, the day's going to come when you're going to cross that river and you're going to take that land and then we're going to divide that land and we're going to give it all up to each of you by the size of the family and everybody's going to have their own land. But your responsibility is to possess that land, to take control of it, to run out, to destroy all of the strongholds of the enemy, to destroy all of the cultural and religious trappings that are there and turn that into something that glorifies God. But if you fail to do that, that's going to be there. That's going to be a, a, a thorn in your side. You, has that happened to you where you get a little thing in your eye? You know, and you, oh, maybe it's a gnat when you're out in the park or a little, I don't know, a little garbage. And then you're like, okay, let me get it out. And your eyes are all watery. And is it out? Is it not? It's worse. And you rub it and it's even worse. And now you've got a red eye and, and, and it's, it's irritating. That's what's going to happen. They're going to always be a constant source of irritation unless you eradicate them. So here we are back in Joshua. And God says to to Joshua, okay, it's time. Divide up this land. Now, if, if I was to give you the title report of my home and say, here's something really interesting. Would you like to read the legal description of my property? You're, you're going to say, <laughs> not interested. But you know what? When we bought that property, that was very interesting to me. <laughs> right? It's the same case here. As you start reading it, and I would encourage you sometime, grab your Bible, grab a, go online, get a good uh, Bible atlas, and just start looking for some of these names. So that's, in the next few chapters, God describes the boundaries. And you say, okay, well, where's this city? And if you go and find, they're, they're real places. This isn't imaginary. These are real places. This is a real event. This really happened. As most of you know, I, I grew up in Guadalajara, Mexico. My parents are missionaries down there. We were homeschooled. We had a, a tutor, a teacher that lived with us. And we went through a, a, you know American school, but like a one-room schoolhouse. So it was like we were in the Old West, but in modern days, you know, um, all six of us kids. And uh, one time we took a trip and we went to San Antonio, Texas. And we were visiting some friends, and after, after the church service, one of the kids my age came up and said, do you want to go to the Alamo? I'm like, the Alamo? What's, what's the Alamo? Well, you know, the Alamo. You mean like the Alamo, the Alamo, the Alamo? Yeah. That's a real place? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was just something in the store. And we went to downtown San Antonio there, the Riverwalk. Anybody been there? It's beautiful, right? And you got the, 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 the Alamo. It's right there. And it's not just in Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. It's a real place. And to me, that made history come alive. It was like, connect the dots between what we read about, what we studied about, and a real place, and a real... And there's the building, and you heard the stories of... You could picture Davy Crockett and Bowie and all those guys. You know, it's pretty, pretty impressive. Same thing can happen here. If you take your Bible and you start reading, these are real places, real events. 
And as, as God is, is describing these places, you think of all of the places that the children of Israel had, had victory because God was with them. So it's a significant portion of Scripture. And although we would be tempted to, oh, let's, let's skip all this boring land stuff. There's important information there. The Bible says that all Scripture is inspired by God and is usable for teaching and for correction and for all Scripture, even those land descriptions. So as we go through here, we're we're not going to go verse by verse, but we are going to kind of pull out, harvest out a couple of things. And what I want you to do, I want to encourage you to do the following. I want you to look for applications that apply to you personally. I'm going to throw some applications out there. They're kind of broad approach, you know, kind of shotgun approach, because I'm not you, and I don't live in your world, you, you, and you don't live in mine. But hopefully I give you enough material there that you can grab something and say, you know what, this here, I can apply right here in my life. Because there's something in here for all of us. And so I hope that you do that today. Josh is old. God says, divide the land. And I want you to key in on this. We highlighted it here. He says, verse 6, I will drive them out from before the sons of Israel. Only a lot to Israel for its inheritance as I have commanded you. God had given Israel a responsibility. We saw that in Numbers. Your job when you possess the land, kick everybody out. Here God is saying, I'll drive them out. Just give them the land, take ownership of it. Interesting. Well, there's a couple of highlights that we can pull out of here. I want to, again, flash you back just a few seconds here to, to the history. Remember when the children of Israel were traveling and, and the 12 spies went out? Do you remember that? This is the reason here um, my son has the names Joshua, Caleb. Because of the 12 spies that went... They all came back, and Joshua and Caleb said, we're good to go. And the ten other spies freaked out and said, oh, no, there's giants, and it's scary, and the big walls, and the, we're, we're good right here. Let's just, let's just hang out right here. And so the Lord said, no, I gave you that land. But because you don't trust me, everybody 20 years old and older will not enter the promised land. And so you'll wander for 40 years while people die off and a new generation comes up. And Joshua and Caleb were the only two that lived through that. You remember that story? Don't forget it. We're going to come back to it. There's also the story of, of Balaam. Remember Balaam? Remember him? He's the guy that chats with donkeys. Or more like donkeys chat with him. What was his job? Somebody remember what, what was the job that they gave Balaam to do? I hear whispers. Curse Israel. That's right. So the, the king comes and he hires him and he says, you know what? You're a powerful diviner and magician and all this. I want you to come and curse Israel. And so he's on his way he, for the right price. He's glad to do it, right? And he's on his way. And the donkey says, I, I ain't doing it. And, you know, so he goes and he tries to curse Israel and he can't. He's looking down from the mountain onto them and he, he can't. And instead he blesses them. And then he goes to the next place and he tries to do it again and he can't and he blesses them. And the king's mad and he says, look, I, I can't do it. I, I, I can't. I want to. 
I really want the money, but I can't do it. But here's what I can do. I can tell you how to undermine them. Send all of your women and, 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 and pursue their women and, and intermarry and weaken their resolve and they will crumble and fall. So you have ten spies that were terrified and weakened the resolve of God's people. You have Balaam advising the enemies of God's people how to weaken them and weaken their resolve. And nevertheless, here we are, years later, and the children of Israel have conquered not one, not two, but many cities and have dominated the region to the point where now God says, okay, divide up the land. And so that's what, that's what Joshua does. And if you start looking there at the, verse 8, it says, with the other half-tribe of the Reubenites and the Gadites, you remember them, right? No? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, well, let's back up one more time. Earlier on, the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh, they were, they were kind of farmers. They, they, they had cattle. And, and they said, we don't really want to wait till we get to the promised land. This, we're good here. I think, I think we'll hang out here. Moses, why don't you just give us the land here? We don't want to wait. We'll just take what we got right here. And Moses has a very heart-to-heart conversation with them. And he says, you, you really want to do this? You want to be like the ten spies that chickened out? You want to dishearten my, God's people? You want to discourage them from following through what God has given them to do? Are you sure you want to do that? And they said, no, 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 no. They knew what was going to happen, right? So here's what we'll do. We will not possess our home and our land until we have helped everyone else enter into Canaan, enter into the promised land, and possess theirs. We'll build some uh, barns and whatnot for our sheep and for our cattle. But we'll go in, we'll leave our children and our women behind, but we'll go in and we'll, everyone that can be a man of war will be fighting for the rest of the nation. And we won't possess our land until they do. So here we are. The half-tribe of, of the... Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And he begins to describe the land that they're going to inherit. And it's, it's you know, you look at it and it's the, all the cities of Shion and the king of Amorites who reigned over Heshbon. And, and, and that's about the time where, like I was saying, you usually fall asleep. But there's some good stuff here. He divides all of this land. He separates it all out and he gives some to each tribe and he gives it to them. And we get to the story of the tribe of Judah. And there was a man from the tribe of Judah named Caleb. This time he's 85 years old. And he comes up to Joshua and he says, 45 years ago, when we went to see that land the first time, God said I could have it. Moses promised it to me. I want it. I want that area where everybody else was afraid of, the big giants, the big tall dudes. That's what I want. And you know what his motivation was? You know why he wanted that? He said, the strength that I have today is the same as the strength I had 45 years ago. It's quite a workout regiment, right? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's 85 years. He's a contemporary of Joshua. God told Joshua, 
What did God tell him? You're old and advanced in age. And here's these contemporaries. And Caleb's saying, the strength that I have now is the same. Why? Because he had full confidence in God's ability to do what we just saw here. God had said, I will drive them out. All he had to do was obey. And so you see in chapter uh, 14, you, you see the story here of Caleb jumping in and taking hold of his land. Um, those next, actually from chapter 13, verse 8 on all the way through 17, I could summarize the, the big idea of that in this next slide. You ready? Ta-da! All those lines. Just drawing the map of the borders of which, which tribe got what. But ingrained in there are these stories. And they're not just fun stories. They're not magical stories. They are real stories of real people and how they dealt and how God dealt with them and how they dealt with God. So you have Caleb who says, God is a good God. God is a faithful God. He keeps his promises. He promised to me that I could have this land. I want that land. And he goes out and he gets it. And he takes possession of it. Let's think about an application here. Many times, we are under the assumption that in order for me to have a good, personal relationship with God, all of the strongholds, all of the issues, all of the problems in my life have to be fixed and at 100%. That was certainly not the case for the children of Israel. The responsibilities that God gave them. They went in. They took possession of the land. There was certainly a, 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 a major event. But then God says, I want you to go out city by city, town by town, and take over, take possession of that. And that's a lot like what our lives are. God calls us to himself. And maybe there's that event where, where you deposit your trust or your faith in him completely. But it doesn't end there. The expectation isn't from here on out, everything's perfect, or somehow I came perfect to the situation. No, from there, there is work to do. How many of you have been known the Lord for longer than two years? Five years? Ten years? Oh, you guys are perfect now, right? You got it all figured out. No, right? Every morning, Sunday morning, when you're coming to church, you, you realize that there's still some territory that needs to be taken away from the enemy, right? And the enemy is not the wife and the kids. Just reminding you. No, there's, we, we have a lot that we need to surrender to him and let him take possession of our lives. And so there's an application that can be used. Look at us as a church. We've been here a year, three, four months. God called us to downtown Yakima. We had this major event. We had the funding that was required to start to buy all this crazy stuff that we have and sign the leases and do all of that. But it's not over. We're not done. We have work to do. We have a whole community. We have our entire neighborhood to reach. It would be very easy to fall into the trap of just saying, okay, well, we did enough. We, we got it started and now we'll just come every Sunday and let... 
Kevin or some other pinch hitter come in and cover for him from time to time. No, we got work to do. And so we need to be looking for how do we, in a godly way, possess this neighborhood, this responsibility, this this job that God has given us. To know Christ and to make Him known as an intentionally multicultural church in downtown Yakima. Are we there yet? No, we're not. We need to continue. Also, I think it's interesting in our personal lives that those areas where we don't surrender to the Lord and we don't give, those are the areas that keep coming back and bothering us in the future. Have you noticed that? You want to do this the easy way or do you want to do it the hard way? You know, do you want to deal with it now or do you want to deal with it later? It applies in, in how we parent, you know. As you probably know, as I've mentioned before, my parents were strong proponents of spanking. Seven or eight, 20 times a day. Well, maybe not that many. But I certainly deserved it that many times. Um, you know, they dealt with stuff right then and there. We're not going to wait till you're a teenager and now, now it's going to turn into something great. Let's deal with it right now. How many times as parents do we see something with our kids and we go, is this really a hill I want to die on? Nah, we'll let it slide. And then years later you go, man, those selfish attitudes and, and, and thought processes that we could have dealt with at a much younger age, now, now they're really a problem. How about in our marriage? You know, think about those. Think about us as a church, again, as a church. What are some of those little things? Maybe there's, maybe there's that, that kind of gossipy thing going on. And it doesn't seem like that big of a deal because it's just you and me. And we're going to share a prayer request, you know. But instead of, of helping the body of Christ, we're undermining and we're creating doubt. Those things grow and they, and they t- take on a life of their own. And all of a sudden, something that was really insignificant can, can become something much bigger if it's not dealt with at the time. And that's the same thing here that God was telling his, his people. Go in, possess the land, get rid of all of that. Take care of it. And we have an example of somebody like Caleb that did just that. <clears throat> we see also... Um, this uh, this story has been growing and, and forming as we get to drawing out the lines, the the cultural, religious places and practices. God is saying eliminate them, and He says if you do not, the consequences are going to be a constant irritation and a conflict. You will be in the crossfire. So God is telling Joshua, it's time. Plenty of headway has been made. Now allot the land. I'll make sure the Canaanites are driven out. Again, a personal application. If we trust God and we put our faith in Him and we do what He says, we can have full confidence that He will gain the victory. Just like, just like He did in Jericho and just like He did in Ai the second time and just like he did all the way through and just like he did for Caleb he will do the same for us 
With the story of Caleb, we highlight God's faithfulness and that we can trust him. And we have an example of somebody who did just that. With the story of, of Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh, and actually even of Balaam, we see the consequences or the potential consequences of undermining, of bringing fear, of, of bringing doubt to God's people. When the spies, when the ten spies had done it, the, the consequences were drastic for them. Balaam, he, had, he advised the king how to undermine God's people. And it just seems like the story ends there, right? You, you go to Sunday school and the story ends there. The donkey talked and then he couldn't curse and then that was it. But as we read here in this, this passage here, we see that Balaam is murdered. He's, he's killed. He reaps the consequences of his own actions. Uh, that's uh, Joshua thirteen, twenty-two. It says the sons of Israel also killed Balaam the son of Beor, the diviner with the sword, among the rest of their slain. This just appears to be a side reference, but important information. So we have three things that we can learn here from this passage. Number one, that God is uh, that God is faithful. That we can trust Him. We can learn um, that in trusting Him, the uh, the way that that He works through us, we don't we don't come to Him a hundred percent ready. We don't come to Him perfect. We come to Him, and He works through us and in us, and He makes us His own. We have to trust Him. There's some house cleaning to do in our lives. But He'll do that. We just have to trust Him. That's one thing we can learn. Other thing that we can learn from the life of Caleb, God is faithful, that He requires obedience, and if we will obey Him, He will win the battles for us. That sounds cliche, That sounds, but it's It's proven. If we trust him. Now, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't there. I don't know what Caleb was like. Maybe he was just full of bravado. But I imagine the idea of going to war for anybody takes a little bit of a, you know, kind of that nervous excitement. You know, how is this going to go? And yet he trusted the Lord against giants. And God took care of him. Number three is the consequences of cursing God's people, of undermining God's people, of bringing fear. There will always be consequences. Whether it's years later like it was for Balaam, or whether it's right in the moment like it was for the ten spies. And it should bring pause. Just like it did to the two and a half tribes that said, wait a minute. Yeah, we want this land, but we're committed enough. that We'll go to war for God's people. We'll go to war for our people. And we won't possess our land until theirs is taken. Because we trust God to be who he says he is. So there you have it. There's three basic ideas. Continue to work. God continues to work in us. We can trust him. God is faithful. We just need to obey him. We need to make sure we're not undermining God's people. Here's a sad fact. If you look at four different places with me in this passage... Joshua 13, 13. 
I'm going to ask, I'm going to read them out. And somebody, if you'll put your finger there, and then when I call on you, you can read it. So Joshua 13, 13. Joshua 15, 63. Somebody got that? 15, 63. Joshua 16, 10. And Joshua 17, 12. Okay, I'm, Joshua 13, 13. 15, 63. 16, 10. 17, 12. Who's got Joshua 13, 13? Stand up, read it really loud. One, two, three, go. <laughs> go for it. Mm-hmm. Sons of Israel did not dispossess him, and they live among the among Israel until this day. Fifteen sixty three. Quick, 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 quick. Fifteen sixty three. We're gonna have to work on our sword drills here. Yeah. Yeah. Say it three times. Now the habit now that as the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the sons of Judah could not drive them out. So the Jebusites live with the sons of Judah at Jerusalem till this day. Sixteen ten. Did not drive out the Canaanites. Are you seeing a thread here, a trend? Seventeen twelve. Four times in three chapters, after God has already told them. I am going to win the victory. We hear they weren't able to do it. Did God fail in his promise? Is that what it is? God just didn't have what it took? Yeah? Is that what it is? No. It's a failure to act. So here we are. 2014, August, the end of cherry season. What does this have to do with me? The famous radio station, WIIFM. You've heard that one, right? What's in it for me? What's the point of this passage? What can we learn from this? Well, God is going to be honored no matter what. And He is glorified no matter what. And as we already saw, even through the spies and even through Balaam and even through the failure of these people to possess the land all the nations of the earth have already been blessed through the descendants of Abraham Abraham and that Jesus already came 2000 years ago he died was buried and rose again so God's plan is still being fulfilled and God is keeping his promise to his people and to you and to me today The question is, are you a part of that story? And to what degree? 
Are you a Caleb that says, all the strength I need is who Jesus is, and I can trust solely in Him, and I can obey God's Word? Or, are you like Balaam, advising the enemy how to bring down God's people? Or are you just too frightened to try? Too tired? Too busy? Too distracted? Each one of us has a decision to make. It's okay to sit inside of these this beautiful building and these walls and say, sing songs like, you know, ain't no grave going to hold me down. That's, that's great. But when we walk out those doors and we go out and we live our real lives in our real communities with our real families and we have real challenges and real difficulties, are we going to trust God to be who He says He is? Are we going to surrender our lives so that He can work in us and through us in miraculous, incredible ways? Or are we going to put that on pause and continue the conversation next Sunday at 10 o'clock? And that's really the challenge. God doesn't stop being who He's going to be. And He continues to work. He continues to work in our community and in the lives around us. The question is, are you part of that? Do you want to be a part of that? Can you trust God to be faithful in your work environment? Can you trust God to be faithful in your marriage? In that awkward relationship you have with your neighbors? Can you trust God to be who He says He will be? Let's pray. Father, we come before You this morning and we recognize that we are exactly like the children of Israel. We're weak, we're frail, we quit easy, we're distrusting, and we need you. I pray, Father, that as we, uh, as we worship, as we sing, as we meditate on, on what it is that your word says for us today, that you would, Father, that you would stir in us. Not just the desire, but the action to be, to live like Caleb. Trusting in you. That you are exactly who you said you would be. And that you have already won the victory. Lord, help us to follow you. As, follow your leadership as good servants, as good disciples. Father, help us in our community as as a church, as a body to fulfill the the job, the task that you have given us to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.